Tonight, prolonged misery after that monster storm, the strides and setbacks. Iced out and hemmed in. We're all at the gate. We all got our bags checked. We're in everything. No plane there tells us it's canceled. The lingering logjam at the airports, the trickle of movement on the tracks. The ringleader in a plot to kidnap a governor is going to jail. We're going to continue to spare no expense to make sure we disrupt plots like these. Judgment day for the Michigan man. Plus, she had all the right ingredients. Well, how would she know my name? And I said, oh, mom. You're you're probably on her kitchen counter, that's why. The Canadian queen of comfort cuisine, the remarkable life journey of Jean Perry. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Reporting tonight, Joy Malbin. Good evening. We begin tonight with breaking news. An Ontario police officer has been killed in the line of duty. Constable Jurgosh Pershala, just 28 years old, was responding to a call about a car in a ditch near Hagersville, Ontario, south of Hamilton. As a result of that interaction with the individuals in the vehicle, that officer was shot and taken to hospital. And I'm sad to say that officer has uh, died of their injuries. It's never an easy day uh, to stand up here and talk about... uh, a police officer has been shot and killed. It's never easy on anybody. Police also confirmed two suspects, 25-year-old Randall McKenzie and a woman who has not yet been identified, have been caught and arrested. They were the subject of an emergency alert earlier in the day. Ontario Premier Doug Ford tweeted, he is horrified by the killing, but thankful the suspects were apprehended without incident. It was already a challenging day for first responders after that once-in-a-generation storm that clearly caught even a cold-weather nation like Canada off guard. Half the trains have started moving again in key corridors, while the airports are still weighed down by backlogged baggage. Hydro crews have made headway in restoring the grid, but 30,000 are still without power in Quebec, just 6,000 in Ontario. In some parts, that's cold comfort, and it will take days to thaw out. This is more than just an icy inconvenience. That frozen facade is where we begin tonight with CTV's Jean-Pierre Beauchemin. On a pier along the shore of Lake Erie, thick ice sculptures carved by winds by crashing waves on a gate form a powerful image of the storm's aftermath. It's, it's miraculous. Um, nature has a wonderful way of creating art in the most unexpected way. It's art admired here. This is a Jeep that was left here. But in Crystal Beach, also along Lake Erie, the waves from the fierce storm battered the shore, crusting cars and homes. So you can just imagine the sheer, the volume and the strength uh, of water coming up over the wall to hit it and then freeze, flash freeze immediately. Owners fear the extent of the damage may only be fully known once all this melts away. When we walked in, it was a disaster inside. We have eight inches of water in our basement. On British Columbia's south coast, too, there was some flooding today as the latest storm in the region whipped up the king tide that crashed up against the shore. We've been here 12 years and this is the highest we've ever seen it. In other regions of the country, too, the massive cleanup is still underway, days after widespread weather systems blanketed many parts of Canada. As you can see, the snowbanks are huge, been snowed in for the last couple days. 
in Quebec, crews, including newly arrived help from New Brunswick, have been working night and day for four days to get thousands of clients back on the grid. Some of our line workers had to use snowmobiles, snowshoes even, uh, to get some outages, carrying with them uh, the tools necessary in order to, to restore power to those clients. The wait is long for those in the dark and cold. And the Quebec City Fire Department alone has answered at least 10 calls for carbon monoxide poisonings since the weekend. People use uh, heaters that are, are supposed to be used outside, not inside, and they use it inside. And at that moment, it becomes really dangerous. Power should be back on in most regions by tomorrow night, but some are expected to be in the dark and cleaning up from the storm for days. Joy. All right, Genevieve, just a brutal end to the year for so many. Whether it's home, on the rails or in the air, CTV's Glenn McGregor has an update now on the progress and pitfalls for travelers. Slowly and tentatively, train travel is resuming again. Via Rail today returned to modified service on its busy Toronto-Ottawa-Montreal corridor. I'm going to Toronto and uh, so I'll probably get home way later than I expect, but you got to do what you got to do to get home. 28 scheduled departures compressed to just 14 to clear the backlog still lingering after the storm and a Christmas Day derailment. Via hopes to be back to normal schedule tomorrow. Air travel is also coming back online. We've been delayed. From yesterday to today, we just got a notice we're delayed another half hour. This family waiting to fly out of Toronto expected to miss a key connection. Our flight is delayed till tomorrow morning, so we'd miss our cruise, and there's no way we could catch our cruise at any of the ports. Another problem now is luggage, matching passengers with their bags after a conveyor belt broke down in the cold. Even the worst days in the summer when we saw backlogs and luggage being kept at the terminal, they are a minimum compared to what we're seeing over these last couple days. Some passengers scrambling to repack to avoid checking bags. We weren't going to bring carry-ons, but now we're going to bring carry-ons just in case. Travelers flying out of Canada still faring better than Sunwing passengers hoping to return. It's tough. I'm frustrated. I'm upset. Hundreds remain stranded in Mexico after the charter shut down flights because of the storm. At the Sunwing desk, their anger expressed in chance. So the problem is there's not enough seats to go around, so they're going to have to start chartering aircraft. The company says it's planning to add eight more recovery flights before December 30th to help get passengers home. Some customers, though, are abandoning their flights altogether. We're all at the gate. We all got our bags checked. We're in everything. No plane there tells us it's cancelled. Aiden Hagshi and his family instead electing to drive all the way to Miami to meet their crews. A lot of people had their trips ruined. Luckily, we had the luxury of just be able to hop in the car, come down here and still be able to get the most out of it. Still unclear is whether travellers who lost money will be compensated. Canada's air passenger protection regulations make airlines financially responsible, but not for events like the weather outside their control. Joy. A lot of frustrated passengers tonight, Glenn. And we learned today one of those passengers who died in that Christmas Eve crash in B.C. was a long-haul trucker on his way to visit family. Kerwin Jot Singh Sodi was just 41 years old. Bill Gerber witnessed the rollover on the icy highway and tried to help. What if I was on the bus? What if it was my daughter on the bus? Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that families or friends of these people, if they see these interviews, they know that we, we tried to 
take care of them. Four people were killed and more than 50 passengers were injured. There's an urgent SOS tonight from Canadian Blood Services. Blood and plasma donations are down about 10 percent this week and down 35 percent since October. A critical shortage at a time when there's typically a surge in trauma events because of the weather. Just look south of the border. Days after that brutal blizzard, the death toll climbed today to at least 62. CTV's Vanessa Lee begins in hard-hit western New York. Emergency crews are using forklifts to clear abandoned vehicles in a city reeling from its most devastating storm in history. Military and state police have been called in to help enforce a driving ban so first responders can get to emergencies. It has become so evident that too many people are ignoring the ban. Please, you heard the mayor beg, I'm begging, stay home. The catastrophic blizzard has killed at least 28 people in Buffalo, including Andell Taylor. Everybody that tried to get to her got stuck. She died in her car after being trapped in blinding snow while driving home from work. This is the last video she sent her family. She was just 22 years old. It's so easy to ask yourself, why God? Why? Across New York's second largest city, most streets are still impassable. The deep freeze that blanketed most of the U.S. has created a travel nightmare with widespread cancellations and delays. So many are desperate to get home after the holidays. We were on the plane for about three hours before they deplaned us and canceled our flight. And then um, our next available flight is December 30th. Much of the anger and frustration is now being directed at Southwest Airlines. It called off more than 60% of its flights today and plans to fly only a third of its schedule for the next few days. We're doing everything we can to return to a normal operation. And please also hear that I'm truly sorry. They're using processes and IT from the 1990s when we were an airline less than a quarter of the size. The U.S. Department of Transportation says it will investigate the airline, calling the rate of cancellations disproportionate and unacceptable. As western New York digs out from the catastrophic storm, there is another threat looming. With temperatures rising, they're bracing for major flooding later this week. Joy. Okay, Vanessa Lee in Washington. In Michigan, they're expecting balmy temperatures, but the focus tonight, the cold reality of an attempted kidnapping. The man who is the driving force behind an extremist plot to abduct the Democratic governor, Gretchen Whitmer, was sentenced today to 16 years in prison. Adam Fox, a militia member, will spend a long time in jail, but the judge opted against a life sentence the prosecution was pushing for. Responding to domestic terrorism plots has been a priority for the Department of Justice since its founding. We're going to continue to spare no expense to make sure we disrupt plots like these. Fox was convicted of conspiracy to commit kidnapping and to use a weapon of mass destruction. Prosecutors say Fox and 14 other co-conspirators had trained with weapons, targeting the Democratic governor, angry over COVID restrictions and lockdowns. Prosecutors say Fox and an accomplice hatched a wild plan to kidnap Whitmer from her vacation home, blow up a bridge to slow police response, hoping to incite a second civil war and whip up anti-government extremists before the 2020 presidential election. Another Kremlin critic has died under mysterious circumstances. 
Sausage tycoon Pavel Antov fell from the third floor window of his hotel in India. Pavel is the latest in a string of suspicious deaths since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Most, including Pavel, spoke out against Russian President Vladimir Putin's so-called special military operation. Time for a break, but when we come back, coming clean. Did I embellish my resume? Yes, I did. A politician admits to boosting his bio. Plus, when company's coming, Gene Perry always knew what to serve. Newly elected Republican Congressman George Santos has apologized for a litany of lies about his background. The New York lawyer exposed after claiming he worked on Wall Street and that his grandparents survived the Holocaust. The Republican Jewish coalition condemns Santos for, quote, deceiving the public. Still, he refuses to step down. Did I embellish my resume? Yes, I did. And I'm sorry. Republican leaders aren't saying much. They need Santos to hang on to their narrow majority in the House. The credentials of Canadian foodie Jean Perry are well-earned. The celebrated cookbook author has died. But as CTV's Jessica Robb explained, she leaves a legacy of homespun recipes that have nourished generations. This is the book that started it all. And now with over one million sold, this revised edition is better than ever. Love, Mom and Grandma. It's still good to hear those words. A personalized note from Grant Lovig's business partner and mom, Jean Perry. The two ran Companies Coming Publishing together for 30 years. Well, I knew her all my life. And uh, I tell you, living without her is something that uh, is uncharted territory for us, so we're learning. Jean Perry died on Christmas Eve in Edmonton. She was 95 years old. It's been a rough week uh, and a rough time leading up to it. Perry became known for her cookbook's Companies Coming. The idea came to her while running a catering company in Vermilion in the 70s. People would come up to her in the kitchen and say, oh, I've got to have the recipe for these squares or, or that dessert or whatever it might be. And she would write it out by hand. And then the next person would ask for the same recipe. So she'd write it out by hand again. And that's when she said, you know, I'm going to write a cookbook. At 53 years old, Perry published the first company's coming out of her publishing house in Vermilion. These are cookbooks made to be used. They're kitchen workbooks. And that was the approach we took right from the beginning. And one they stayed true to, selling 30 million copies of her more than 200 cookbooks. No recipe was published unless mom vetted it, went through it. Her golden rule, never share a recipe you wouldn't use yourself. Lovig says his mom was modest and humble. He thinks she would be confused by the outpouring of support the family has been getting in her honour. She'd probably say, are you sure you got the right person? Perry's family is grateful for everyone who has reached out to share stories, recipes, and memories of Jean Perry. Lovig is happy to know that a little piece of his mom will live on in kitchens across the country for years to come. I'm, I'm proud of her and what she accomplished. But again, I'm just the happiest that she was my mom. Jessica Robb, CTV News, Edmonton. A remarkable Canadian. And still ahead tonight, an American dream. You have this type of jackpot, uh, it makes things a little bit fun. The micro odds of winning the mega millions.
It's been a throwback year for the economy, an inflation surge not seen since the 1980s. It's number five in our top 10 stories of 2022. Here's CTV's John Venavalli Rao. As the year began, Canadians who thought gas prices were already too high had no idea just how much worse things were going to get. Yeah, I'm a small contractor, so it, it cuts into the profit for sure. In January, when we talked to analyst Dan McTague, he made what back then seemed to be a jaw-dropping prediction, that nationally, on average, gas could hit $1.65. Wow, are you kidding me? But by April, it was well over that. And in June, even higher, reaching 236 in Vancouver. It's stunning to me how much gas costs right now. It's stunning. The Russian invasion of Ukraine and rising global demand for oil were in part to blame. And sky-high fuel prices on top of supply chain issues added to the cost of just about everything from food to furniture to flowers. Some things are so pricey, we just say, okay, pass, wait till it comes down. While central bankers had thought high inflation would be transitory or relatively short-lived, they were wrong. By June, year over year, the consumer price index rose more than 8%. At the grocery store, things were worse. Prices shot up more than 10%. For some, it meant making tough choices. Pretty much every time you come, um, the prices are higher. And if it's not higher, um, you get less. Shrinkflation became a thing, where products shrank in size, but not in price. There you go. Thank you very much. And more and more people turned to food banks for help. In the past month, we saw a record high of 12,000 hampers needing to be provided out into the community. And then there were the accusations that grocery chains were price gouging while making record profits. Almost four Canadians out of five believe that uh, grocers are profiteering. By October, Loblaws announced it planned to freeze prices on no-name products until the end of January. While earlier in the year, in response to inflation, the Bank of Canada began raising rates to try and cool the economy, acknowledging it had waited too long. The economy is strong. It can handle higher interest rates. It needs higher interest rates. The trend-setting rate that started the year at near 0% surged by December to over 4%, the fastest rate rise in 40 years, making mortgages much more expensive. And Canadians saw interest payments go way up, in some cases more than $1,000 a month. It's a very, very uncertain times and very scary. Some even worrying they'd have to sell at the worst time possible as home prices in many markets plunged from their peak. Say, for example, if the bank comes to me and says, okay, from next month onwards, your mortgage is $3,000, I cannot afford to pay $3,000. The only option at that point I would have is to sell the property. Meanwhile, according to one report, rent prices on average went up 15%. They're insane. It's so expensive to rent. Average wage hikes did not keep up with inflation, meaning Canadian consumers had much less buying power by the end of 2022. And while many are expecting inflation to ease somewhat, in 2023, a recent report is predicting food prices may rise another 7%. John Venavalli Rao, CDB News, Toronto. In this economy, there's always the long-shot option. The U.S. Mega Millions jackpot soared to more than half a billion dollars before tonight's big draw. You get into the holiday season and people want to dream a little bit big and you have this type of jackpot. Uh, It makes things a little bit fun as we head into the 2023. If someone matches all six numbers tonight, it will be the 11th time ever. The Mega Millions jackpot surpassed 500 million. The record? Still that $2 billion Powerball ticket sold in California back in November.
And coming up next, clues from the front lines. Modern methods to help identify Canada's war dead. We end tonight with a cruel reality of war, made worse when soldiers who died on the battlefield can't be identified. Science is helping ease that pain by putting a period in place of the question mark. Here's CTV's Kevin Gallagher. Remembrance Day is always one of the most poignant here in Ottawa, as veterans gather around the tomb of the unknown soldier to pay their respects to the fallen. But this year we came across a story of a small team of investigators on a mission to identify tens of thousands of missing Canadian soldiers who were killed on the battlefields of the 20th century. It would bring their families such important closure, and that's why I think this story deserves a second look. Private John Lambert was only 17 years old when he was killed fighting with the Newfoundland Regiment in Belgium during the First World War. His family received a letter saying he died for king and country, but they never knew what happened to his body. My father often spoke about him and said that he must have been blown to bits in the war. That was his way, I guess, of trying to explain why he didn't come back. Nearly 100 years after his death, archaeologists in Flanders uncovered four sets of remains in 2016. One had a clue, this piece of a Newfoundland soldier's uniform. Then it was trying to find a DNA donor for the 16 Newfoundlanders that were missing from that particular battle. Sarah Lockyer coordinates Canada's casualty identification program for unknown soldiers. She says Lambert's case was particularly complicated because of the three British soldiers buried alongside him. We got lucky. We were able to find a DNA donor for Private Lambert and the results were positive for him. We were all awestruck. We just couldn't believe it. After missing for more than a century, Private Lambert was finally given a military funeral last June. Anne Smith said goodbye to the Uncle Jack she never met, a moment her late father wished for too. I know he would have been extremely pleased that he finally, you know, have a resting place for his, uh, his brother. The remains of more than 27,000 Canadian soldiers are unknown. The majority fought in the First World War. Still, there are efforts underway to help identify them. Since 2007, the program has been able to successfully identify 35 sets of remains. A painstaking effort to help families grieve for those lost in battle. Kevin Gallagher, CTV News, Ottawa. And that is our newscast for this Tuesday for all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching. Good night and see you again tomorrow.